Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. I've entitled this Faith Over Fear. I probably don't need to sing. I need to preach. Paul is writing to, obviously, the the title of this letter tells us the recipient, Timothy. I'll talk about that in a minute. He said, I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Notice the next two verses. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. How many of you good Pentecostal folks still believe that the power of God can flow through somebody into somebody else? I do. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Can you say amen to the Word of God? Thank you. You can be seated. Thank you for respecting the Word of God. A little old school there, but... So let me help you understand here. Timothy, there are two books in the Bible with his name, First and Second Timothy. Timothy was Paul's son in the faith. How many of you will say, Pastor, there is a man or a woman that was so instrumental in me coming to the Lord and then discipling me that, that I would count them as my father or my mother in the Lord? Let me see your hand. How many of you have somebody like that in your life? Can you throw your hands up? Lots of us do. It's amazing. They ministered together, traveled together, but when Paul wrote this letter, 2 Timothy, to Timothy, it was a scary time for both of them. Paul was in prison awaiting execution, and he was executed. Timothy was in the city of Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey. He was ministering to the local church there. Nero was the emperor of Rome, and if you remember anything from your world history classes in school, Nero was crazy. And he was a terrible emperor, and he set part of Rome on fire and played his fiddle while Rome burned. And of course, he took criticism for this, and to cover up his leadership failures, to divert attention from his leadership failures, he blamed the Christians for what happened And so he arrested them and tortured them and executed them publicly. Some of them were crucified like Jesus was crucified. Some were thrown to wild animals who tore them to pieces immediately while they were alive. And some were literally burned alive as living torches. And so in chapter 4, verse 9, Paul commands Timothy to be diligent and to come to him Quickly. Now we read the Bible, but you need to just get in the middle of this. They're killing people in Rome, Paul. They're crucifying people. They're throwing them to wild animals. 
I'm safe in Ephesus. Did, did I read this letter right? You want me to leave here and come there? All right, now you're getting it? You know, you read the Bible, sometimes you miss stuff. You, say, what? you want me to diligently hurry up and come there? I think I would take my time packing. It might take me a few months. Can't find my shoes. So you can see how all of this would be unnerving for this young man of God. People are getting killed for their faith. His, his father in the Lord is awaiting execution. It's a scary time. Now, while there are no Christians in America being crucified for their faith or being thrown to wild animals, I want to come here today and tell you persecution is still very real in the United States of America. Now, I know there will be people who will hear this and say, oh, no, there's not. Now, real persecution happens in places like China or countries where where Islam is dominant, and thus if you're a Christian, you could lose your life. You're exactly right. All of that is true. But nonetheless, persecution is real in this country. And this shouldn't surprise us because in this same letter, chapter 3, verse 12, Paul told Timothy, yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. How do you like that promise, brothers and sisters? It's coming. It's going to happen to you. And I looked up this word, like any good pastor and preacher, I love to do word studies because then you really understand what Paul is thinking in his mind when he writes these words. And the word persecution in the Greek language literally means two things, to drive away or to pursue after someone to the point of causing suffering. To drive away or to go after someone to cause them suffering. And I sat back, and I thought about 2023, the time period of my life as a citizen of this country, and I thought, wow, I can fill in the blanks here. First of all, there are some things of God that have been driven away from the culture and from the society in our land. I'll prove it. 1962, the Supreme Court drove prayer from the public schools. 1963, the Supreme Court drove Bible reading from the public schools. In recent times, I have read stories and heard stories, and I'm talking about the last 10, 20 times, since the time I've lived in Anderson, the last 25 years, that some school districts have stopped all team prayer prior to sporting events. So they've driven prayer from the sporting events. In 2015, the Supreme Court drove the Ten Commandments out of the court buildings and off of government property. It's happened. Atheists and and activists constantly are trying to drive us and Christianity out of the public arena altogether. They will tell you, we don't care if you're a Christian, just keep it to yourself. We don't care if y'all get in that church building on Sunday morning, but when you come out, leave it there. Don't bring it in the workplace. Don't bring it to school. Don't bring it to the university. Don't bring it into the neighborhood. And surely, don't you dare bring it into politics. That's what they want. They want us to just do that. And they're happy 
They're driving us out. Second, we are pursued to the point of suffering for our faith in God. And I think it has intensified in the last 10 years. Tell somebody that you're a Christian and you may be mocked and made fun of. Now, I know we're in the Bible Belt. And for those of you who are watching, because we got people that watch all over America, believe it or not, that watch us online. Down here, everybody's a Christian. Yeah. But, I mean, that's what they'll tell you because we're in the Bible Belt. Everybody's a Christian. Well, everybody's not a Christian. So, but you can go to other places. Some of these people that I'm preaching to who, who, who watch us every week, they go to work and tell somebody they're a Christian. They'll be made fun of. They'll be mocked. Oh, post it on social media and see what happens. Somebody, you won't probably know who they are, but some idiot. I got to learn how to preach better. Some idiot will get on there that you don't know and start criticizing you and scorning you and deriding you. That's where we've come in this nation. Do you know that just two months ago, there are believers in the United States that were passed over for promotion at their place of work because they refused to fly a pride flag in June from their cup holders. I'm sorry, but that's persecution. You know that in the last 10 years, the IRS has been found guilty of targeting Christian nonprofits. Bakers and florists have been sued, and not just once, but repeatedly, just because they wanted to run their business as Christians. And the point is, if you keep suing them, even if they win, you go back and sue them again. After a while, you know trying to defend yourself legally costs money. They break you. You go broke. And there are activists. I'm sorry, that's persecution. Most recently, in the news within the last two weeks, I can't believe this, Marcus Schroeder, who is a teenager, I think he's 15, if I got that wrong, sorry, but he is a teenager, was arrested by police in Watertown, Wisconsin, not because he was drunk, not because he was shooting up drugs or selling drugs, not because he was vandalizing public property in a public park, but because he was reading the Bible during a Pride in the Park event in June. Watertown police, they've got video, I watched it, arrested the young man. And you, well, he shouldn't have been, did he have a sound system? He did. Well, that's, that's, that's breaking the law. There was no ordinance. There was an ordinance you couldn't play loud music through a sound system, but there was no ordinance that said you can't play or you can't read a Bible or talk through a sound system in a public park, but they arrested him. They gave him a warning eventually and let him go. We got young people that are committing all kinds of crimes, and the best thing the Watertown police can do is arrest a teenager for reading a Bible in public. Sorry, I like to put things in perspective. That's called persecution. Shame on the Watertown Police Department. Shame on them. Every one of them ought to turn in their badges and go get a job somewhere else and let some good men who understand righteousness, who would encourage a young man for doing something right. You don't like this kind of preaching, sorry. 
And believe it or not, you may suffer physical harm for serving Jesus Christ. So here's the result. Enough of that. Here's the result. This is the environment that we're living in now in 2023. And the problem is God's people are being intimidated by all of this. That the tables have turned. We've lost the favor that we used to have. And now the tables have turned. And so that intimidates us. And then we're reluctant to share our opinion. We're reluctant to share the truths that we know based on God's word. For example, a true Christian, a child of God, will not approve of any LGBTQ lifestyle, not because that we're mean or hateful, but quite to the contrary. We will love those people. But we don't approve of it, we cannot approve of it, and we surely will not celebrate it. Because the Bible says those are sinful lifestyles. And we go by what God says. Yet many Christians will not express this biblical viewpoint publicly. By the way, there are plenty of preachers that would be terrified to preach this much of what I've preached thus far in this sermon. And will never do it. Why? For fear of being verbally attacked, targeted on social media. But there are other things that are frightening us in America. Chapman University does an annual survey finding out the top 10 things that frighten America. And this year, last year would be the full year, 2022, these are the 10 things. They said, I'm afraid of corrupt government officials, people I love being ill, Russia using nuclear weapons, people I love dying. I'm afraid of the U.S. being involved involved in another war, pollution of our drinking water, not having enough money in the future. I fear economical and financial collapse, pollutions of oceans, rivers, and lakes, and biological warfare. These are the top 10 things that people are afraid of from coast to coast in our land. And I thought, well, you could add a whole lot more. You could add terrorism. Artificial intelligence, your family breaking up, identity theft, getting a disease, being alone. A lot of people are afraid of that. And some Christians are scared to death they're going to miss the rapture or not make it to heaven. We're fighting fear. Now, there are some fears that are natural. There are some fears that are just part of life. But isn't it interesting that Paul, in our text, refers to a spirit of fear. I, I, I look at the Bible and how I should as a theologian and there are things that, that I read and sometimes I go, now why did it read that way? Paul did not write, for God did not give us fear. That, that's what normal people would say, for God didn't make us afraid or give us fear, but that's not what it says. It says, for God has not given us a Spirit of fear. And if you look up the word spirit in the Bible, most of the time, especially depending on the context, it deals with an unclean spirit. And I think he juxtaposes this without saying it with the Holy Spirit, but has given us what? A spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And that comes from the Holy Spirit. I'll get to that in a minute. And so I know from reading the Bible, from life, that one of the tactics of the devil is to use fear 
to torment and immobilize God's people. He is the ultimate terrorist. And I believe much of what we are experiencing in the United States right now has a spirit of fear behind it. It's diabolical. That's why good people are scared to say anything. Good people. You notice the bad people, they're just blatant and putting it out there. And good people don't know what to do. And Satan is working hard to shut up and shut down the church of the living God. But I came to High Praises Church this morning to remind you that the devil is a liar. I came here this morning to tell you there is no truth in anything that rascal says. And we have got to make up our minds that we're going to ignore his threats. We're going to ignore the people who threaten us. And we're going to speak God's word in love. This is not the time for God's people to go hide under a rock. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. God has commanded us to let our little light shine and we need to shine the light and share the truth of God's word to the lost and deceived citizens of the United States of America. The church better wake up and start being the church if we're going to have an impact in our land. Yeah, I'm on fire. I drank regular coffee instead of decaf this morning. And by the way, that spirit of fear will get in the church. It'll get in the church. You'll be in a church service like this. You want to you wanna clap your hands when the preacher's preaching this kind of preaching, but you're a little scared too because you don't know what people think. You want to raise your hand and say, Woo, praise the Lord. Come on, preach. But you're scared because you're not quite sure how it would be received. The Lord says to you during the altar service, you need to go over there and pray for somebody. But you're scared to, because you're not sure. You've never done that before. The Spirit of God moves on you to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, but you're scared, and you quench it. You need to go to the altar. You need to get down here at an altar call, and you know you need to get down here, but you hear the voice of the devil say, if you get out there and walk, everybody's going to look at you. And you miss out on God's work in your life because you're scared. I asked this gentleman if he would let me share his testimony a couple weeks ago. In our altar service, powerful move of God. One of the men in our church gave out a message in tongues and then interpreted it. It was a powerful moment. The word was appropriate. It was edifying. What you don't know is that it was the first time he had ever done that in this sanctuary. God had used him in other places, at other times, smaller settings. And he said, Pastor... There had been a time before when in the, in the service, in here, the Spirit of God moved on me. And I knew I was supposed to give out a message that he said, but I, I didn't do it. I, I didn't do it. I should have done it. I didn't do it. And he said, I missed out 
on being used by God because of fear. You get in here and there's hundreds of people in here. You get in here and there's cameras being televised over social media and it's intimidating. But two weeks ago, the Spirit of God said, we're going to try this again. And he said, this time I made up my mind, I'm going to have faith over fear. And he let God use him. And I told him how much I appreciated him. And by the way, he's in his early 40s. And I, I thank God for all of the senior adults. And we've got older men that God uses to give out the messages in tongues and interpretations. And God, you thank God for them. They're, they're, they're showing us the way. But I'm going to say this publicly. I've been praying about it. I say it publicly. Y'all, it's time for the next generation to do like this man did and step up. It's time for the next generation to say it's our turn. It's my turn. It's my turn to be a vessel used by God in a Pentecostal church. Pastor, what if I don't get it right? I'll take care of that. I'll help you. I'll sit down with you. If you don't get it right, we'll help you to learn. But we've got to let God do, us, do through us what he wants to do. We cannot operate in a spirit of fear. So what can you do to overcome the spirit of fear and stand boldly for Jesus? I told you last week most preachers have three points. Today I only have two. All this you've preached, Pastor. Some of this is me. You, you've, woo, woo, you kind of, you kind of painted me today. You, 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 you've described my, my disposition. What do I do? I, I honestly believe. I read these letters, and if you just read them as Timothy's reading from Paul, there are things that will speak to you that says this is what Paul is trying to say to Timothy. I think it's what he's trying to say to us. They're just, it's there. He's, he's, he wrote those things on purpose. So let, it, let God speak through us for what Paul wrote to Timothy. Here's, here's the first thing that I see how you counteract that spirit of fear and you become a person of great faith is make sure you practice and possess genuine faith. Practice and possess genuine faith. Timothy had a genuine faith. He wasn't a hypocrite. He didn't put on an act. He was the real deal. He was really living for Jesus. And that authentic faith, parents, this is important, grandparents, was in his mother and in his grandmother, and they passed that faith on to him. That's important. I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you today, I have I've encountered my share of hypocrites in the church. And, and there are always going to be hypocrites. People who put on a show on Sunday, but they didn't live one lick for the Lord on Monday. These are the kind of people that stand for nothing and they fall for everything. But real people of God walk in faith. Real people of God stand on the word of God. Real people of God are able to resist the spirit of fear. And I was thinking a truth that I've been aware of in my life that's helped me with this. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So genuine faith comes from reading the Bible and studying the Bible and knowing the Bible. And what I've learned is the more you know, the stronger you are in your faith 
the more you read, the more you embrace it, the more you take it as your worldview, it's a biblical worldview, then, then you're able to trust God and stand against the things that come against you in this world. I, I, just, I just put this on my notes. You ought, to, you ought to be able to say when it comes to the things of God in the Bible, I know that I know that I know. Somebody say, well, are you sure about that? I, I read one time. I don't care what you read. I just read the Bible. And I know that I know that I know. Well, we learned in school that, that the world was created by a big bang and there was evolution and we came from, from little organisms and, and, and you had, I, I know, y'all, that's a really cool fictional story, but that's not what I believe. My Bible says God said let there be and there was and that's, that's what I know that I know that I know. Yeah, but we evolved from monkeys. No, we didn't. Man was made in the image of God. God breathed through his nostrils the breath of life, and man became. We didn't evolve. I became a living soul, and I'm made in the, I'm sorry. I know that's what they're teaching the kids, but my kids aren't going to learn that. I know that I know that I know. See, now this kind of preaching, mm, now you older folks, y'all like this. But the millennials and the Gen Z, that generation has been raised to be and told there are no absolute truths. And you can't know anything definitively. And everything's in flux. And everything's fluid. And, and everything's, everything's just, you know, you, there's, you, you, can't, you can't even trust sources of authority. Because they all had an agenda anyway. You understand, I'm not making this up. This is the... This is beyond postmodernism. We've gone beyond postmodernism to a fatalism. And you, they're all, they all had an agenda. And listen, if you want to go down that road, that is a life of misery. You are floating in space. You have no anchor. You have no reference point. It is a miserable existence. The happiest people in the world are the people. They don't have to have a lot of money. They don't have to have a lot of things. But they got Jesus. And they know the word of God. The happiest people in the world who say, I know that I know that I know what thus says the Lord. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel like preaching this morning. Somebody said years ago, Jesus said it, I believe it, and that settles it. And then some smart aleck came along. Well, that's not what it ought to say. Doesn't matter whether or not you believe it. It ought to say Jesus says it, and that settles it. Okay, smart aleck. So you made your little cute little point because that's all they were doing. I heard somebody say it before. All right, okay, so well, Jesus said it, and that settles it. Okay, I know what you're trying to say, but that doesn't fit this message, and it sure doesn't help my life. Because if Jesus said it, and that settles it, but I haven't embraced what Jesus said that's been settled, then what good does it do me? And so there's a little mantra here you need to grab a hold of. Jesus said it, and that settles it come on everybody say it with me Jesus said it I believe it say it again turn to the person next to you and tell them turn around and look at the person behind you and tell them tap the first person in front of you and tell them my God, I feel the whole, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm about to shout. There's about five people that are starting to get this. Jesus said it. Jesus said it. 
Jesus, I don't need a university professor to tell me Jesus said it. I don't need somebody on social media to tell me Jesus said it. Jesus is the son of the living God. Jesus is the word that became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and full of truth. Hallelujah. My wife said, I'm worried about you drinking that regular coffee. (laughs) Parents, do you want to keep your children from crumbling in fear when they go to school, when they go to college? When they're hanging around their peers, I can give you an easy answer. When they hear the lies of the devil, when they're pressured to celebrate the sins of society because that's where we're at, teach them God's word. Don't leave it to Pastor Amy. Don't leave it to the church. We're supplemental. Your job you know, there's a, there's a verse of scripture that a good Jewish believer can quote to you and tell you, the Lord told the Israelites, when, in their, when you get up in the morning, all through the day, when you go to bed, tell your children the word of God. Write it on the doorpost. Use every, and what he's saying, use every means possible to teach your children. Teach your children. We, buy, we get them phones. They got little apps. Game. Why don't you download some, some things that teach them the word of God? Maybe you haven't thought about that. Buy them coloring books that they can color that have to do with the word of God. Teach them, say, Sunday morning ain't enough. You got to integrate it into life. When you see something that's not right and your child gets an eye full of that, as you drive away, say, honey, that wasn't right and that wasn't of God. This is what we believe. This is what the Bible says. You have to quote the Bible. You have to tell them the Bible. Buy them a Bible. Let them know that you know what thus says the Lord. I'm telling you, we, you got to tell them we stand on what God says. We don't stand on what Disney says. We don't stand on what Taylor Swift says. We don't stand on what Blake Shelton says. We don't stand on what some TikTok influencer says. Honey, we stand on what thus says the Lord. We stand on what's from Genesis to Revelation. Whatever's in the book, that's what we stand on. And I made all the Taylor Swift and Blake Shelton fans mad. They'll sing, fine. But when they start giving their opinion on moral things, it's open season for the preacher. Stick to singing. Y'all don't know what to do with me this morning. Possess and practice Genuine fit. Be the real deal. Teach your kids to be the real deal. And you better be the real deal. 
because kids can see through a hypocrite a mile away. I was a youth pastor for ten and a half years. I can tell you right now, a teenager can spot a hypocrite a mile away. And when they do, they'll shut them down. So parents, live right. Amen, pastor. Praise God. Hallelujah. Good preaching. I've lost them. Praise the Lord. All you watching at home, I've lost them. I'm about to say, would you stand and let the musicians come out at this point? I still got another point. Y'all are amening me. I can hear you online. Praise the Lord. Thank you for your. I don't have to have amens. I'm just giving you a hard time. You're listening. If you're going to pass the faith along, you got to have the faith. So make sure you have the faith. There's nobody in this church pulling for you parents like I am. Grandparents pulling for you. Some of you grandparents are the influence because your kids won't live right. But there's an easy fix for that. Your kids just need to get right. Then they can be an influence. Hallelujah. How many glad Jesus saves? Come on, come on. How many know glad Jesus can save anybody? <laughs> Hallelujah. He can take what's wrong and make it right. Second thing you need to do that Paul told Timothy is lean on the power of the Holy Spirit. Timothy was a spiritual man, but stress and distress had diminished his spirituality. Paul encouraged him to stir up the gift of God which is in you. That word gift is the word charisma. We know that word, charisma. Have any, has, has anyone here ever heard of a charismatic? Yeah, We're, we are charismatic. Pentecostals, it's very similar. It's that we believe in the operation of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. So when Paul said stir up the gift which was in you, he wasn't talking about you play the piano really good, just stir that up and play it more. He was talking about the flow of the Holy Ghost. There was a spiritual gift inside of him that operated in a spiritual way. And it was a work of the Spirit of God. He said, stir that up. Evidently, the fear had settled it down. He said, stir it up. Stir up the spiritual side. Be more spiritual than you are fleshly. You know you're a spiritual person, right? You, you are a spiritual person. So I'm not real spiritual. Well, you, all right, let's talk, let's, talk, uh, let's talk as far as existentially. Existentially, you are a spiritual person. You have a body, a soul, and a spirit. Now, whether you are spiritual as far as function and operationally, that's between you and the Lord. But you are a spiritual person. You have a spirit being, and when you got saved, that spirit became one with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit took up residence inside of you. How many of you know everybody here who's saved, you have the Holy Ghost inside of you? Okay? So you have the presence of God inside of you. So that means you can be spiritual. But you may have permitted the pressure and the intimidation of our culture to stifle your spirituality. So my challenge to you is Paul's challenge to Timothy is stir up what's inside of you. I got a couple of illustrations here today. So, so I'm just using this. It's, there, there's, it's not in here. Can you hear me? Can 
y'all hear me? They're going to hate this. Okay, if I do this, then all the people at home can't hear me. So, so Paul, come help me out. Get, get, come up here, Paul. i got to have an extra set of hands. Would you, would you help me, Paul? I know I can help Paul. Paul, help me. So, Paul, here's a picture of lemonade. No, not really. How many of y'all ever had lemonade? Turn this way so you can see. How many of y'all ever had lemonade? You put it in the refrigerator and you left it for a few days. What happens? Settles to the bottom. Settles to the bottom. You got water up here and all the good stuff down here. Now, if y'all never made lemonade, you're learning something today in church. Now, you could pour that into a glass, but it's not going to taste good. It's, it's, it's not going to work for it to do what it needs to do. For it to be, it's a pitcher of lemonade. Come on, y'all. For, for it to be what it needs to be. For it to do any good. For it to taste good. Quench thirst. Make, make a little kid money on the corner at a lemonade stand. You got to get a spoon. You got to dig down in there and you better have some elbow grease and you got to start stirring that stuff around. You just stir it. Stir it real good. And as you stir it, all the good stuff on the bottom begins to permeate the entire pitcher of water. And as you stir it, it gets everywhere. It gets into the every every molecule, every it, it goes to it doesn't stay down here. You've stirred it up, and now it start work. It's working its way, and so now when you take the pitcher and you pour it into a glass, you're getting the good stuff. Now it can do what it's supposed to do. Put that over there for me, Paul. Thank you. Here's the thing: you've got the Holy Ghost inside of you. You've got spiritual things inside of you. But we let this world, we let fear of what the world is doing, push all that down. We're living up here and the upper part of that picture in water in fear we're being fleshly we're thinking in things from a fleshly point of view Paul said that's not how you're going to make it you got to stir up the Holy Ghost you got to stir up the spiritual things you got to become a spiritual person and if you'll become spiritual then you'll have a whole different perspective when you go out into the world you want your kids to be spiritual you want the teenagers to be spiritual college students better be spiritual when they go to liberal universities when you go to work tomorrow, you need to be spiritual. Stop by the store. Got me the official drink of the South, Dr. Pepper. There's something inside of that. It's called carbonation. You ever had flat Dr. Pepper? Do you drink it? If you do, you're weird. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. Pour that stuff out. When I drink it, I want some fuzz. I want some fizz. Come on, I want some burn. I want some effect. I want that fizz to fight the back of my throat. Now, y'all laughing, but stay with me. Flat Dr. Pepper is like flat spirituality. Nobody likes it. 
Nobody wants it. It's not attractive. Nobody will drink it. Everybody wants to pour it out. But just shake up and stir up what's inside of you and activate the carbonation, activate the power of the Holy Ghost inside of you. And guess what? You're terrified of me to open this up, aren't you? Because you'll know what's going to happen if I open this up, don't you? Yeah, let me get down here, Betty. Would you let me open this up? For, would you open this up for me, Betty? Would you open? No, you're terrifying, aren't you? See, if you want to terrify the devil, just stir up my God I feel the Holy Ghost in this says I'm preaching this morning just stir up the power of the Holy Ghost inside of you get the get the boldness get the anointing of the Holy Ghost and say here devil deal with this here world deal with this here people of the world deal with this secularism wokeism deal with this open this up and see if you can handle the power of almighty God My notes disappeared. Get spiritual. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Spirit. Worship in spirit and truth. Pray until your spirit man comes alive. Walk in the Spirit. Live in the Spirit. War in the Spirit. Have y'all ever noticed? Y'all okay? I'm telling you, I'm in a flow right now, and y'all been telling me you noticed it, but it means I got to preach. I've preached longer the last three weeks than I normally do. I preach about 35 minutes on average. I think I preached 50 minutes last week. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. I only get you one time a week. You're lucky I don't preach an hour and a half. Have y'all ever noticed how really spiritual people, I'm talking about the true blue really spiritual people, are strong in the Lord. You ever notice that about them? They make bold statements. They aren't afraid. Have you ever noticed that about really strong spiritual? They aren't afraid. They'll tell anybody anything. They'll pray for anybody. James Whittington is not here today. James had knee replacement surgery. There are seven of us this year. I started, they're having knee replacements in 2023. I started something. Huey, where are you? He was back there. He had a knee replacement. Came to church today. Lord, I forgot what I was even preaching about. All spiritual people. James, James had a knee replacement. I bet now y'all see James and he'll give out messages and tongues. Sometimes he walks up. And, who walks up in a church this size and just comes up here and says, got something to say? Well, all right then. Now you think I'm going to let every one of you do that? You got to earn that. Oh, there'll be an elder coming up here. Scott Picard to be up seating you down, say, talk to me. What do you what do you want? He's earned that right. He's earned that right because he's spiritual. And he's not gonna come up here unless he's heard from God. Now he's earned that right. But I've been with James. Now he he owns a he owns a body shop down in Honeyapath. I tell him he's the unofficial mayor of Honeyapath. And he has a towing service. I got, a, I got a warning ticket. I was preaching a revival in Lawrence. I went through there and wasn't paying attention. And, and I got a warning ticket. But I was telling him later, he said, oh, don't worry about it. We'd have taken care of that. I said, now that man's got some strings. But I've been around James. He'll tell you about the Lord. He doesn't care who you are. 
he's, he'll start talking about Jesus and about the Lord. He'll start speaking in tongues. He'll get a little at Pentecostal when the natural meets the supernatural. I've been with him. I don't know about that, Pastor. Well, you go ahead and don't know about that, but I'd rather be around a man like that than somebody who's deader than a hammer and couldn't pray their way out of a paper bag. That's just the way I feel. It didn't bother me. Matter of fact, this world needs, there's so many crazy things going on in this world. Maybe they need to see a little bit of crazy Pentecost. Maybe that shakes some of them up. Bold in the Lord. I've noticed people that are full of the Holy Ghost are bold in the Lord. They don't let fear, listen, I wrote this in my notes. They don't let fear flow through them. They let the anointing flow through them. And every one of you in here can have the anointing flow through your life. So pray to be baptized with the Holy Spirit like they did on the day of Pentecost. I'll tell you right now, it'll change you. It'll make you bold for Jesus. I'm coming to a close. One guy said he was coming to a close six times in the sermon, and one guy said, how many doors does this sermon have? I could preach, and I have done it, I'm not doing it today, an entire sermon, an entire message on what Paul said in that last verse, God has given us power, love, and a sound mind. I'm not going to do that today. I will just simply say that the Holy Spirit in you will teach you what it means to operate in the power of God. You'll love people like God loves people. How does God love people, Pastor? He loves people, but he hates the sin. People who There are people who act like they hate the people who have the sin. Pastor, you've already, you already said something about LGBTQ. You know what? I can love a lesbian. I can love a gay man. I can love a transgender. I can love those people in the Lord. I can care about them. I can have compassion on them, believe it or not. I've had people, I've had friends that were gay. Leah and I have had people in our life that we knew that were gay. We loved them. Care for them. They're people. And their sin is not the only sin. Lying is sin. Cheating is sin. Stealing is sin. Cheating on your husband is sin. Sleeping around is sin. Sin, sin. But you love the person. But at the same time, you say, I will not and I cannot condone nor will I celebrate the life that you have chosen. There is a better way. And you'll have a sound mind, a safe mind. Did you know God can give you a sound mind, a a, a mind that is free from the fear, the spirit of fear that we live in? Because a lot of times fear is the battle of the mind. We imagine the worst. We imagine things that aren't there. We imagine things that we just know are going to happen when 99% of the time they never. If I let the spirit of fear rule me, I could not come up here and preach the way that I preach. Pastor, aren't you afraid what somebody's going to say? They can say what they want. This is America. I might say something back. It's America. As long as you respect me. You don't respect me? Okay then. But we love people. And we have a sound mind.
And God will give you the words and the actions to say and to do to overcome the spirit of fear so that we can be a positive force, listen to me, of light and salt in a hurting world. I hold before me a document. A man who is my good friend in this city is a member of a local Episcopalian church. He is a member of the vestry, which would be like the deacons or the board. That church recently decided to perform and bless same-sex marriages. Right here in Anderson. He is a God-fearing man who loves the Lord. I've known his family for, I guess, about the entirety of the time I've lived in Anderson, 25 years. He brought this document by the church, and then I spoke to him on the phone. He said, Pastor, here's what's happened at our church. And he told me, he said, I'm leaving the church. I cannot go to church there. But He said, we are having a vestry meeting. He said, for six months, I have worked on this document. Will you look over it? He's not a theologian. He's not a pastor. He said, will you, he's a very educated man. He said, will you look over this and see if there's anything that, that I want to make sure my spirit's right and that theologically, he wrote an outstanding document, quite a number of pages. I said, what are you going to do with this? He said, I could just leave the church with my family and leave, but he said, I'm still a member, and I'm still a member of the vestry, and he said, we have a vestry meeting coming up, and he said, I have asked for a reading, and I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to read this document in front of the vestry, and I don't know if the church is going to, he said, and I'm going to read it, and I'm going to take a stand for Jesus Christ and the word of God before I leave and tell them what you have done is wrong, and this is what thus says the Lord. You can't do that with a spirit of fear. But he's going in with the Holy Ghost power and love and with a sound mind. I have told this story for years. It's a true story. I haven't told it in a long time. Glenn Berto probably retired by now but was a pastor. Back in the day, he was the youth pastor at Jimmy Swaggart's church before Jimmy fell, and it was huge. He had a 1,000 teenagers in his youth group. Could you imagine? a 1,000 teenagers. He spoke at a youth leaders conference and told a story that I have told countless times that talks about the spirit of fear and the Holy Ghost power, love, and a sound mind. He had a girl in his youth group named Mary Ann. Marianne wasn't saved. But she went to church camp. And that summer got saved and gave her life to Jesus Christ and got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Full of the Holy Ghost and power. Teenage girl. School started and she carpooled with another girl and a guy named Randy who drove the car. So she got all her stuff together and Randy picked her up and the other girl. And this time she had her Bible in her hand. 
and they started down the road. Randy had the music blasting with hard rock and roll. He had one of those cars that if you opened his trunk, it looked like he stole a bunch of equipment from Best Buy. Woofers and subwoofers and amplifiers and speakers and it was rocking the car. And the year before, Marianne would have thought that was cool, that was okay, but now she's saved and she's full of the Holy Ghost and for some reason, she doesn't like that anymore. When you get saved, you get saved. You start changing. True story. So Mary said, Mary said, Randy, can you turn that down? I don't like it. He said, turn it down. I'm going to turn it up. He turned it up even louder. Mary Ann's putting up with that. Little girl sitting in the back with her. Mary Ann's got her Bible. Brand new Christian, full of the Holy Ghost, learning about all this spiritual stuff. And she said, now wait a minute. They've been teaching me at church that I can talk to God and pray and he'll answer my prayer. So this is what Mary Ann prayed out loud. Dear God, please destroy Randy's sound system. In Jesus' name, amen. You know what happened? Sound system go. True story. Randy stops going to school, pulls over. He's in the back messing with everything. He cannot get it to work. Gets back in the car frustrated. And the little snitch over here says, Randy, I know what happened to your sound system. Marianne's got her Bible, and she prayed and asked God to destroy your sound system. It's her fault. That's what she said. Randy glared at her and he said, is that true? You know when you pray and then God answers your prayer and you're shocked? Mary went, yeah, I guess I did. (laughs) At that moment, he took all of his frustration out on her, started screaming at her, using profanity. She's cowering under this. Talk about a spirit of fear. Timidated. He's screaming at her, yelling at her, threatening her. And then, this, this was Marianne's story. She said, at that moment, she said, I felt something I had never felt before. But she said, they told me, and I know what it is. She said, it was the Spirit of God rose up inside of me. She said, I felt the power and the presence of God rise up inside of me. Something came over me, and she said, I said, Randy, stop it. It shook him so bad, he stopped. She said, if you don't get in this car and get me to school, I'm going to ask God to do to you what he did to your sound system. You know what Randy did? He shut up got in a car, cranked it up, and got her to school. I just came here this morning to tell you, High Praises Church, 
Pentecostal spirit-filled church, there is a power that is at work within us. It is a power that will overcome all fear, all intimidation, all trepidation, all apprehension, all anxiety. My God, if we've ever prayed a prayer, we need to say, God, stir up that which is in me. God, stir up the Holy Ghost in me and help me to go forth in the power and the love in the sound mind that you've given me and influence my world for Jesus Christ. If that's the way you feel, I want you to stand to your feet and I want you to get to this altar as quick as you can. All over this church, I want you to get to this altar and there are two things that I want you to pray for when you get down here. Number one, when you get here, I want you to pray, God, if I've got a spirit of fear, then Lord, take it away. God, whatever it is that's been intimidating me, God, help me to overcome it. And then I want you to pray, God, stir up the Holy Ghost inside of me. Stir up the Holy Ghost inside of me. As soon as you get out here, start praying. God, stir up the Holy Ghost inside of me. Think, Just think like this pitcher. Get, 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 get a hold of the spoon and start stirring. Start stirring. Say, God, stir up the gift. God, get, get the carbonation. Shake me, God. Help me, Lord. I've been walking around scared to death. And this doesn't mean to be aggressive. I'm not telling anybody to be militant. That's, that's not what I'm preaching remotely. What I'm talking about is just be the light and be the salt. But when you get the opportunity, don't you be scared to speak the word of God. Don't be afraid to speak what thus says the Lord. Don't be afraid to take a stand for Jesus. Don't cower to this world, but stand boldly for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Come on, Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, touch this church, I pray. God, touch this church, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Stir up the Holy Ghost inside of us. Stir up the Spirit of God inside of us. God, help us not to live in fear, but to walk in the power of the Holy Ghost. Use us, God. Use this church to make a difference when we're at work, when we're in school, when we're in college, in our neighborhoods, in a restaurant, in a store, everywhere we go. Lord, let us shine the light. Let the power and the love of God shine through us. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.